0: yo what's going on y'all yo? it's your boy here sensei um i want to do something a little different this time and i want to talk about uh a category that's a little tough for people i'm gonna call this the the wine cast i'm gonna do, just do a quick little rundown you know uh, for y'all that don't know i have a a pretty uh reasonable background when it comes to learning and uh, teaching people about wine—it's not—I w- I wouldn't say it's, it's a. Yeah, I would say it's a tough thing to learn. It's not easy. Uh, the easy thing, what well, the hardest thing is, what well, the easiest thing to learn is your palate, because um, you know what you like. So that's the easy part. Nobody can tell you what you like. Uh, nobody can tell you what you like is is wrong. Uh, you know, like in in food you eat fast food uh some people, people like fast food but it's bad for you so you're not supposed to eat it. so some people can shame you or say hey don't eat this you eat too much of this yada 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 But wine you like what you like um there are of course um sugar repercussions to that you drink more sweet wines than you drink dry you're going to be con- consuming more sugar of course it's sweet versus dry but there are, there are ways to build your palate. Uh, there, there's, there's ways to, to learn easily about wine. So I'll, I'll start off with, I don't know what, what, how, what route I want to go. Uh, the, the route I want to go is, I, I just want to get you down the basics. Uh, America, you know, the, the main areas, of course, would be California, Washington, and Oregon. West Coast stuff, they're all wines that grow in different states. Missouri has wine. New York has wine. Canada has wine. Texas has wine. Um, Louisiana has wine. South, is it South Carolina? One of the Carolinas has wine. Virginia has wine. Actually, pretty good wine. So there's a there's a lot of different states within the country that grow it. But the most prominent, of course, is the West Coast because of the, the breeze, the the air. Just everything over there is just so perfect and ideal. Um, for growing wine, of course, you know, altitude is not, um, that gigantic of a deal. Um, I think, I believe there is, there's wine that grows in Colorado. I'm pretty sure there is. I know Colorado is a pretty, it's a very prominent place when it comes to wine sales, but I'm pretty sure it grows there. I mean, the the elevation shouldn't be an issue. There is wine that grows in not Ecuador, uruguay and uruguay is super high uh super high level as far as elevation and also of course argentina which is uh very high when it comes to elevation so uh there should be wine growing in colorado also so you can get wine from just about anywhere in the states Uh this you can get wines from the islands there's jamaican wine there's uh wine from bahamas there's um cuban has more rum but i'm pretty sure that pretty sure there's producers of wine uh, when it comes to Cuba. So we can get it just about anywhere when it comes to just, you know, just areas that's close to us, I guess most of the wine that comes from Canada is ice wine. Ice wine is kind of a, it's a form of dessert wine. We can kind of go over that. Uh I'll go over that in in another podcast, actually about dessert wines and di- different avenues as you go through. But Canada has different varietals. They do cab Chardonnay Merlot, different things like that. But it, it the, the most prominent thing right now is ice wine. Basically, ice wine, what they do is the grapes get frozen and they ferment them. Um, ice wine It's pretty easy thing to, to comprehend. It's not super complicated. Like uh, lots of other parts of wine. So what I wanted to do is get you the basics. So when, when it comes to identifying it, you know, California, Argentina, most places, the grape is on the label. You know what you're buying on the label. If it's a cab, it says a cab. If it's a blend most people smart winers are putting percentages of the grapes on the back to let people know this is the percent you're getting this is what we did to make this wine uh even bordeaux is starting to do that that used to be real a basic they give you a wine with a a area on it and that was it they didn't tell you what grape was in it you had to learn on your own and uh hopefully i can kind of help you learn that in in this uh, podcast here i don't really run a ramble i could go 10 hours straight talking about this stuff but of course i don't want to keep you off 10 hours straight so, when I first got into wine, I can remember the first, the first wine I had, it was a it was a pretty big event, it was a wine tasting, and I had a Chardonnay, and the first thing I had from that Chardonnay, is I was like, this tastes buttery, I was like, why does it taste buttery, why does, why does a, 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 a wine taste like buttered popcorn, then I found out it's just a process called malolactic fermentation, uh, that's just how That's the process and and that's how the characteristic, that's the characteristic that you typically get from a process like that. And, you know, instantly my first wine, I identified a major style because those buttery, creamy, you know, like vanilla style Chardonnay, probably the most popular styles that come from California. So it's a right then off the back I identified a wine and I had no idea what I was doing. I had no idea. Even, I didn't even know what I was drinking at first. Uh, but I identified the profile in it just based off of what I've had before. So you can you can you can do that quite easily. You know, when when you see a description on the back and it says, let's say if it's a Moscato, and it says, you know, bright peach, apricot, that's not anything that's infused with the wine. That's just the characteristics that you get off of the wine. So it can it's it's a very it's a cool thing to see to to get that one this this one grape a grape it can be fermented and and processed and then you come out and you get white peach and apricot and a crisp crisp apple and tangerine you can get so many different things uh from a single grape uh in the process you know of course the full process of making wine but wine is such a it, it, to me it's easy because I've been doing this For so long um, the, the complicated areas Will be quite easily France and Italy France and Italy are just Just a pain Because They don't show the grape on the label For the most part there are certain uh, Wineries that are getting kind of um, Privy to the American market um, They know we don't know a lot about This stuff a lot of us just Unlike them we didn't grow up with wine a lot of those people are in wine country, France, Italy. You know, they grew up with a glass of wine on the table. You know, somebody down the street or even their parents—they just made the wine. It was wine coming out the backyard, uh, and they just made it and they drink it all day. So, these people are used to drinking wine from when they're kids, basically. You know, they get to sip wine and try wines and learn about it. It's it's in their backyard. It's it's right next to them. So, they're when they start off and when we start off are just we just start off at two completely different points. Of course, here we have you have to be 21. I'm sure there you have to be a certain age, probably 18. But, you know, hey, it is what it is when it comes to things like that. Um, So uh, you have to learn what's on a label. You have to learn your areas. So when it comes to Italy, you'll see Chianti. You'll see Chianti Classico. and You'll see Chianti Classico Reserve or so. And um Chianti Classico uh grand Selection, which is a new i don't know why i say it it's kind of a new classification there we go it's the highest classification for chianti now so when i first started i thought chianti was a great of course you, you know when you when you're a kid or when you watch your movies you all hear about chianti and chianti you know what's the um what's the movie hannibal um and i've actually um drank that same wine that he drank, not the exact year, but from that winery, it's called San Felice, it's a Chianti Classical Reserva, and you just see him drinking Chianti, and he, you just, you kind of think of it as you think Cabernet, I'm drinking Cabernet, but the grape that goes into it, it's 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 kind of the main grape of, of Tuscany, and a lot of parts of Italy, it's a grape called Sangiovese. Giovese, uh, and San Giovese is a, it's just a very prominent grape, of course, just like many of grapes, it can be just a lot of different styles, um, you can be anywhere to soft, light, bright, strawberry. No tannin, easy to drink. Uh, bone, or you can get something that's big, bold, rough, and tough uh, that'll kind of knock your socks off. Big tannins, big aggressive grip. And and when people uh, say something like tannin, tannin is the it's to me it's it, it's it's always been kind of that grip you get in the inside your cheek inside your cheek when you're drinking a drier style wine. So um, there's just a lot of uh, small words that you have to get used to. Um, I, just a lot of things you have to adjust to. So, Italy, I would say, if you're gonna read on anything, and the books that I would suggest to you would be uh, Wine for Dummies, because it's dirt cheap, and you really only need to read about three areas. Now, I would recommend, of course, reading about all areas. That way, you kind of get a you get an understanding of what's going on everywhere. But like I said, those the three main countries that don't show you the varietals, they don't show you the grapes on the label. Italy France and Spain now it's most areas in Spain some areas in Spain I won't say most excuse me um they'll say Granacha or I'll say Tempranillo but in a lot of cases you'll just see Crianza or you'll just see Reserva or you'll see Gran Reserva on a lot of Spanish wines mostly from Rioja so what that is it it'll just more like aging methods um getting into super specific not getting into super specifics it's uh it's it's law mandated some some wines different uh levels of wine reserva grain reserva they have to be aging a certain for a certain amount of time in a barrel and they have to be aged a certain amount of time in their bottle so what they want to do is they just want to get the wine to you as ready as it possibly can be which is a good thing um a lot of other areas are not doing that anymore Kind of a rule of thumb to a lot of other wines where you you need it five years. Take five years before you start to drink it. But now you're seeing those wines just pile in and pile in. It's, you know, pretty recent vintages. So um, with Spain, you see Reserva, you see Grand Reserva. And, of course, you see older vintages because um, when you get to from Reserva to Grand Reserva, the time between oak and bottle aging, it, it increases. So that's the things you have to look for. Uh, the grape that goes into that. It's a grape called Tempranillo. Tempranillo is kind of their main grape. I would say Tempranillo and Garnacha As far as red. Grenache from from what we call it here. Um, it's called a lot of different areas. A lot of different things. A lot of different areas. So that's one thing you have to be privy to. Uh, it can be called uh, Tinto de Paya. As far as uh, Tempranillo. Tinto de Paya. There's there's just a lot of different clone names. Um, because just like in, in other countries. We don't have the same lingo here. So. In in Tempranillo, in Spain, it may be called Tempranillo in one area, maybe called something else, maybe called ten different things in 10 different areas. It's like here, we don't call soda soda everywhere. I don't say soda; I say cold drink because in Louisiana, New Orleans, we say cold drink, and parts of the Midwest they say pop. Just about everywhere else they say soda. So you can you can kind of you know kind of break it down like that. I try I want to try to break things down as easy as I possibly can. But getting back to Italy. Um, you'll have Chianti, which is Sangiovese. Um, you'll have, um, grapes like Amarone. You'll have grapes like, uh, well, not grapes like Amarone. Wines like Amarone. Wines like Barolo. Wines like Barbaresco. Um, and those wines are kind of the, I always kind of, to to, to make it easy, I always consider the, the type of wine. I know it can be a little bit, it's a little bit more specific than that. Um, a lot of this stuff is the name of different towns, the name of different sub-regions, the name of different areas, and they'll name the wine after that town, and the grape would be totally different. So a lot of people have heard of Barolo, the grape that goes into that is Nebbiolo, but in a lot of areas, France, Italy, they'll, they'll name it after a town or, or a specific vineyard or a specific region, not giving you the grape that's inside because it's, to them it's understood what grapes go inside because a lot of them, just like Spain, it's law mandated. So for Chianti, it has to be at least 85% Chianti. Of course, they grow a lot of other things that's not that's not Sangiovese. So usually the different things that they blend into that wine are things that give it balance and longevity. There's a lot of grapes that you just can't make a wine with. They may be too rough. They may be too too aggressive. They may not have a, have a really a flavor profile at all. That's the wines that you use. We call those blending grapes. Um, most people don't know the names of most of those blending grapes. I don't know the uh, name of a lot of those blending grapes. But those grapes are just grapes that grow there that they just use a percentage of to put into the wine. So let's say you have a weak year for Sangiovese. This grape called hebidi hebe Hebidi-Deebidi only does one thing. It adds boldness and richness to the wine. So if I can have at least 80, I have to have 85% Sangiovese into this wine hey let me add five percent of this or ten percent of this kind of depending on how weak the year is if if you get what I'm saying so there's a lot of different techniques that people use um to increase the the longevity and 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 make the overall flavor profile level of a wine better it can be it can be complicated but it's it's easy when you piece it together and you kind of use context clues to get things together that's how I kind of uh kind of rationalize things I try to rationalize things i break them apart in my head first and i just piece them together real simple for me you know it's i don't do not do it slow i do it fast because i'm so used to it. it's my process but it's a, it's a process you can use it's just to just kind of help you break down those things quicker so um uh, going to france so in france you'll have bordeaux you have cote deron uh, you have Burgundy, you have a lot of different areas of of those and i'll break those down Uh, And and, in future videos just to kind of give you because all of these areas, in my opinion, these areas and these and these and these grapes, they all kind of deserve their own explanation and their own story and their own description. I think I would do it injustice to it if I wasn't just kind of pile everything into one one episode of something that some things take a lot a lot more care. And it take a lot of explaining because a place like Burgundy is not it's not complicated. I mean, it's not easy. So Burgundy to me is it's probably the most complicated area that I've seen. Um, You know, you may have a wine that's named after a vineyard. But it may be, uh, you know, 30 different wineries that source out of this vineyard and they're all named after this vineyard. So let's just say it's something called Vigio and then. You have 20 different wines that comes from Vigil. But all of those wines are completely different. Even though they're coming from the exact same vineyard or the same town or the same area. That's within three miles of each other. Um, just because everyone has their different techniques. Some people like elegant Pinot Noir. Some people like big, rough, and tough Pinot Noir. Some people like rich, fruit-forward Pinot Noir. Some people like super earthy Pinot Noir. Where there's not much fruit. It's more like mushroom. And it's just... It can be very gunky, uh, uh, you know, rustic to some people. So, um, and and there's a lot of wines um that may say one name, and they may say the same last name on four or five different bottles. And those people are, are cousins, uh, and their uncles, and their grandfathers, and they all have their different styles, and they all have their different interpretation on what Pinot Noir is. So, kind of getting down Pinot Noir can be, and Burgundy in general, to me, it's. it's it can be a little complicated uh, it's, to me is by far the most complicated part I've come across as far as just, you know, learning wine in general, just because of uh, the techniques um, and the and just the names. I mean, uh, there's a it can be like Jean Lafitte or whatever, and it can be four different Jean Lafitte, but you don't know that it's Jacques Pierre Jean Lafitte and. Something else, Jean Lafitte and uh, Susanna Lafitte, and they're all different. It, it can be all the same family. could not be all the same family. It could just have the same name. But on the label, that's all you see. So you kind of think you're getting the same thing from different areas. And, of course, vintage to vintage is different. So you're dealing with a lot of different variables when it comes to wines, especially in Burgundy. You deal with those variables everywhere. But in, in, in France, for instance, like in Bordeaux, they'll price things On how strong the vintage is. That's just how it is. 2009 and 10 were very strong vintages. So you saw stupid high prices. Lafitte Rothschild was $1,800. And then you get to. So that's the 2010. You get to the 11. It's $800. You get to 12. It's $600. You get to 14. It's $400. So I just dropped down $1,400. Within four different vintages. It can be extremely complicated. So that's why I want to give. Um. Give the give thing its own platform. I think it it, it deserves that much, especially uh, France in general and Italy in general. I think it deserves that much, uh, and I have enough stored in my brain, unfortunately, to where I can I can explain that to people pretty easily. I do it just about all day. So, um, those are the those are the kind of things I'm going to talk about in upcoming Y-Cast, of course, Audible podcasts. I I, want to I want to go over everything I want to go over whatever's on my mind you know I want to go over what I'm good at I want to go over what I know I want to go over what what I think can help and um yeah wine is just something that's like I said it's incredibly easy but it's incredibly complicated at the at the same side France and Italy and Spain are the main three areas I would I would say to read about and I forgot I said two books I only gave you one uh, the first book is the course Wine for Dummies. You can go to any half price books, Barnes and Nobles. You'll probably get this book. I bought this book ten years ago and it was five dollars. So the price is not the price of brick, it's not going up. Excuse me, on wine for dummies. Um another one that I have right now is actually called the Wine Bible. Uh and the Wine Bible is a um it's a it's a it's a, it's a little bit more of a descriptive book. It gives you a lot more as far as just Explaining everything. Explaining the different areas, the sub regions, the the indigenous varietals, the the more popular varietals, different profiles of these varietals, the some of the wineries that make these varietals. So it's a it's a it's a much more in depth book. I would say to definitely check those two out again. Um Wine for Dummies is fantastic. And The Wine Bible. Um it's again, it's just very solid book. So that's the things I'm going to be going over in, in future wine casts. Um Of course, you can hit me, hit me up for any uh, suggestions or requests of different things you'd like to do. Otherwise, I'll just break down different areas and different wines and I'll get I'll get some winemakers on. I'll get some sales reps on. I'll give some suppliers on. I'll give the people I'll get people that sell to you, people that make wines for you, uh, people that that. Market to you to explain why they market to you and, and explain explain uh, what value that their wines or their liquor or anything uh beer it can be anything like that I'll I'll get people on and I'll get them to explain to you why they think you should be consuming their product or drinking their style of wine or or doing what they're doing just giving you some some good lessons on on uh or what this industry is about because it's a very fun industry it's a very cutthroat industry it's a very expensive industry. Um, so you get a lot of people that uh are putting everything into a dream. You know, you know, they say to start a winery it takes you better, you need to have a million dollars in on hand because you need to buy grapes, you need that. you need um you need contracts, you need you need facilities, you need barrels, you need a winemaker, you need so many different things to where to even start one, they tell you a million dollars minimum. Minimum. So uh, a business like that. I think deserves uh, good in-depth talks. I won't be too serious. This is not, you know, it's not fucking masterpiece theater. I'll curse. Um, But I just want to, you know, try to break it down as easy as possible. So thank y'all. Audible Winecast. Episode one. I'll see y'all next time.